Have you ever heard that sound? That was an, that was an awful sound. That was, like, <laughs> that was, was that was, I was impressed with that. That was an awful. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast about how to be a grown-up gamer and still go to work and get sleep. With your hosts, Cody Goff, and Jonathan Martin. You're going to be my meat in my Jonathan sandwich. Check out our website at gamelifebalance.us, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and more. I'm Ryan Dombrowski. I'm the Ninja Fat Man from Doom Ninja Podcast, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Game Life Balance Podcast. I am uh, Jonathan Martin, one of the hosts of this show. This is Cody Goff, the other host of this show. It's a uh, it's a podcast that sometimes talks about video games, but most of the time we just talk about other stuff because you and I don't have a ton of time to play video games anymore. Right. We only have time to do things like lobby for or against abortion, gun control, uh, concealed carry, uh, immigration issues. Uh, what else is what else is controversial? Uh, let's see. Uh, Re- religious freedom. Yes. Religious freedom. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, you know, politics is kind of a game, right? I don't I don't think it's a, I don't think it you could easily make the argument that this is a political podcast because we're we're talking about politics and balancing our lives. So thanks for joining us on this new newly formed political podcast, Game Life Balance, uh, the United States uh, arm of the political podcast, Game Life Balance. You can find our sister political podcast, Game Life Balance Australia, on gamelifebalance.au. That's not true. That's not, that's not actually their, their website. website. That's actually not. In fact, I think AU is Austria. So that's definitely not. It could be Hungary. It, I don't is know. Is it Austria? I don't know what AU is. The, Austra- the Australian AU. Union. I, you, yeah, I don't know what it is. Anyway. I'm Googling no. it. It means AU, uh, according to Google, means alternate universe. So <laughs> gamelifebalance.alter. No, it is, it is Australia. Okay. Anyway. Uh, no, generally we do talk about some video games, but uh, a lot of times we end up talking about lots of other stuff. So thank you for joining us here on this episode. Yeah. Um, we, you can, yeah, that's, that's great. Excellent. I know. Excellent job opening. I hope you don't expect me to produce content at this point because I that's usually your that's job. That's usually too. my job is to also produce the content. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So generally we talk about a couple of different things. I think you actually have a lot more to talk about than me. You're turning into quite the globetrotter. Did you know this? Like I feel like yeah. I feel like like and it's and I also feel like it is kind of completely by accident. It is completely by accident because a lot of times i feel like you're finding yourself in not america for reasons that are not a hundred percent under your control correct correct over the summer my girlfriend wanted to live in a spanish-speaking country because she teaches spanish and that helps her practice and so we came to this agreement and an arrangement that allowed me to be in madrid for a while with her so we did that and then for some strange reason unprecedentedly 
one of our offices in Mexico was like, hey, we have a budget to fly you here to give a training. Why don't you do it? And I was like, all right, I guess I'm in Mexico now. And then they were going and then work needed me at this event in Switzerland. So I was just in Switzerland. So, yeah, I have globetrotted, which, by the way, before we get too much further into my globetrotting, I have to say congratulations to you because you are going to be globetrotting this year. Are there dates set for this? There are. Because you you are a badass at your job and you were recognized as someone who's very good at doing things. So, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate your recognition. So I just did, I I can't remember. For some reason, I feel like I talked about this. Maybe I didn't, though. Um, You just posted it in our Facebook group because I was, yeah, I don't think think it's been talked about. So I went to a national meeting for my company. I'm a pharmacist. I've talked about pharmacy before. Um, And I I work for a, a, a private company, so not, not public, not, traded on on the general stock exchange um that means nasdaq that means a couple of things nothing that i need to get into right now but i went to this meeting um in nashville i've never been to nashville before so i went to this meeting in nashville and the meeting took place over a weekend and one of the things that always happens at the national meeting is they do they do what they call the the president's awards where the ceo hands out there's there's 350 pharmacies in my company and the top in this award ceremony they were the top 17 pharmacies which is like the top five percent of the pharmacies in the company um they bring up the the pharmacist in charge or the pharmacy manager that's me and they recognize them in this big rah-rah like stage type center with you know loud music playing in the background it and was the Oscars. It was the Oscars it, it was for the, your pharmacy. It company. was, yeah, exactly. And then at the end, they the, the the whole and the whole like giant award that you get as a pharmacy manager to be the pharmacy manager of one of these pharmacies is you get a trip, and the trip is a an all expenses paid trip for you and one other person to a destination that they tell you at the end of this presentation. Last year they went to like St. Thomas or something like that or St. Martin, a very tropical location. Again, it was it's all expenses paid, including like meals and everything once you're there. So it's it's pretty cool. So I kind of like knowing that I knew that there was a kind of a giant trip involved. So I got called up. I want to say I was I I can't actually remember, but I want to say I was like eighth, something like that, in terms of the company, in terms of pharmacy, being year over year on all these these metrics that we measure. And it turns out that the trip this year is going to be going to uh, Barcelona, Spain, a place that I certainly have never been to. Barcelona. I guess. I know I have to do the lisp thing. I didn't want to be culturally insensitive because I don't feel like I can do it correctly. So, uh, yeah. Just talk wrong. So, yeah, I'm going to be going to Barcelona in... Barcelona. In, you can just correct me every single time. It's going to be just great. Uh, it works really well on this radio. Um, September. In September. September 10th to September 14th. September. 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 10th to 14th. 10th. September. I, now, now, I now I can't even say words right. But yeah, it's, it's all expenses paid. So it's a plane flight out there. We can extend the trip if we want by two days. So we're going to do that because how many times are we going to get to go to Spain? Right? So we're going to extend the trip. We're staying in a... We're staying in a hotel called the Hotel Arts, which is apparently this crazy resort there. The resort has a... Do you, are you familiar with Michelin stars in terms of yeah. restaurants? So, yeah. you know, there's there's no three-star Michelin restaurants in the United States. None. 
Or, oh, I didn't even know it went beyond one. I, I thought no, it's one, two, and three. That I might. Oh, I th- <laughs> no, actually, I'm no. wrong. I d- disregard that. There's no three star Michelin restaurants in Vegas. That's what it was, which I found surprising. There's a couple in, in the United States. Getting getting three star Michelin, whatever. It's it's a metric by which like like three star three star Michelin restaurants are like you make a special trip for this one solo dining experience. That's what gets a restaurant three stars, right? Yeah. There's a there is there, I don't even have a restaurant with a Michelin star in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. There's none. Chicago has one of the few three star Michelin restaurants in the United States. It's very expensive. There is a yeah. I'm I'm actually looking because I I I've heard Michelin star, but I didn't even. I just thought it was a star or nothing. no. It goes one. It goes one, two, and three star. And three star. The, the way that the the way that they describe the metric is with a three star Michelin restaurant. It is a it is a restaurant that you actually create a travel plan to simply go to this restaurant because it is that like incredible of an experience. So. Anyway, there is a two-star Michelin restaurant in the hotel that we are staying at. And I've never been in a one-star Michelin restaurant. <laughs> so we're probably going to check that out because I probably won't have a lot of opportunity to do that anywhere else. Anyway, it's going to be an awesome trip. I'm very, very excited about it. Now, are they going to foot the bill for the Michelin restaurant? I'm guessing no? probably not for that. That's fine. Yeah. The, the rest is paid for. That seems pretty... Seems fair. And I'm looking yeah. online. I know there's at least... There's one three star in Chicago. Yeah, it starts with an A, I think. It's like uh, oh, there's two. There, there's a Lena, there's a Linea. That's and, the one that I know of. Yeah, that's the one I knew. There's one called Grace, which I've never heard of. Don't know. Curtis Duffy's Fine Dining Stalwart. It's like a block from Alinea because they're both downtown. But uh, yeah, yeah and, interesting. And so, like, if you've ever seen if you've ever seen the documentary on Netflix, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, or heard of it, it's about a a I don't know what you call a sushi chef. Other than a sushi chef, but it's it's about a guy that makes sushi out in Japan who's been making sushi for like sixty years, and he, his restaurant holds like eight people, and he takes eight people a night for dinner. You're he's like his restaurant is a three star restaurant, and it's the type of place that you are supposed to like. You're supposed to cre- create an itinerary, travel to Japan to go to this restaurant type thing. It's that amazing. So anyway way down a rabbit hole that was completely unnecessary to talk about Michelin stars. Bottom line is I'm super excited to go to Barcelona. And uh, listener, in case you're not a world traveler like like we are, it, this, the Spanish accent has a lisp, which I could not, I did not like when I was there, really. But, yeah. You didn't agree with the, Span- the Spanish accent? I didn't, I didn't. You know, Nashville seemed okay. Also, the weekend that we went was also the weekend The Voice was auditioning in Nashville at the at the Country Music Rock and Roll Hall of Fame across the street from our hotel. So when we got in, there was like a six-hour line around the Country Music Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for people auditioning for The Voice. So how'd it go? Your audition? I'm still going to be a pharmacist. It didn't, it didn't go well. Hmm. Is it because he tried to to give Simon Cowell a sexual favor? Is that why? Is he on that show? It's because I don't know how to sing country, and I think you, I was supposed to do that while I was in Nashville. No, the voice is ag- is voice agnostic. Is voice gnostic? Voice gnostic. 
That is a word that shouldn't exist. I've decided. <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't think it does exist. <laughs> That's probably good. That's good for everybody. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. I'd, I'd wanted to give credit where credit is due, and that that you know you were actually given that because you were recognized for something. I just happened to travel because I happened to luck out at the right place at the right time and talk to the right people. And I guess some of it is 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 also probably skill related i was um i was in switzerland for the world economic forum in davos switzerland which i don't know if you know much about switzerland but there's a lot of mountains and skiing there and it is also a pretty much totally self-sustained economy because everyone just comes to them and gives them all their money because they have swiss banks yeah they have swiss banks they have a lot of tourism it's very beautiful there and i guess it's just a constant inflow of cash is my understanding of there. Well, I was, I spent a lot of the time there with one of our colleagues who lives in the UK, one of our British colleagues. And, you know, when you're, when you're with a European, the Europeans, the ones that I've met anyway, tend to have a lot of thoughts and knowledge about their neighboring countries because they're all neighbors. It's not like in the US where we don't really have that. You know, and and we have knowledge of other states, we, a lot and of the we time. do. But but that's uh, I feel like it's and maybe it's similar. I don't know. I'm not European, but but you know, there's there's not that much I can say about Iowans, you know, or North Dakotans or people from Colorado. I think you're selling the individual culture within the different states of the United States a little short because the people of Illinois, for instance, are much different than, say, the people of Georgia or the people of California. Yes. Like, there are some dramatic differences. I think that's more regional, though. I mean, can you? how different are people in Illinois from people in Indiana? Yeah, but you could argue that the regions of the United States are similar in size to different countries in Europe. Maybe? I don't know if you could argue that because I, I don't have a map in front of me. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. I have a giant... Eight foot world map uh, of, Aor- of, a- of Aorzia. Yeah, a of- giant eight eight foot world map of Aorzia. God, I would love that wall. so much. I would love that so much. That would be anyway. Cool. I understand your point. I just don't agree. With yeah, it. I don't know. But anyway, his his pre- pre- general uh, kind of the attitude that I got, or, or some of the information I gathered from him and other other internationals at the company I work for is, is that Switzerland basically just kind of gets lots of money because everyone's spending it there and it's great. And I was in Davos, which is very, very like exclusive kind of area. Davos wanted to become kind of intellectual leaders in the world. So decades and decades ago, they had Albert Einstein speak there about some stuff and they had some scientists have some summits and then the world economic forum was spawned. And it's been this site historically for some notable events. Like I guess Nelson Mandela shook the hands of, of the world of the leaders of South Africa for the first time after apartheid had ended that happened, that occurred at the world economic forum and, and, and lots of, Notable conversations take place with world leaders. The, the the opening, or one of the one of the first major sessions was the president of China was there, which is kind of a big deal because you don't hear about that many speaking engagements from the president of China. So it's basically a bunch of really important people, like the CEO of every major, it's like I mean, like Microsoft major company there, and all these things. And and I was kind of the help because. 
I I don't have like eight figures to my. You were in you were in charge of pyrotechnics. I was in charge of the pyro. Yeah, yeah. So for instance, for instance, Senator Tim Kaine was supposed to be there, and he was supposed to enter to Kaine's entrance music. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Tim Kaine is a senator. Is that a senator or a governor? Who, I don't know what he is. Who is now. Tim Kaine? He was the vice presidential candidate uh, for the Democratic Party. He also, I don't know what he was, what he is now. Oh. Since he did not win. Ah. He probably went back to being a senator. It doesn't matter. He literally, he's irrelevant <laughs> to anyone. To anyone listening to this. In that story, because that story wasn't real. That wasn't it a real wasn't, story. So. It wasn't real. But, um, but it, it was cool. Anyway, I was there for, for a week. It was very long, grueling hours. But on the way back, I had one, I mean, it ended on a Friday, so hypothetically take a train to Zurich and fly back Saturday, right? Well, no, I managed to take a train to Salzburg and then fly out of Salzburg. And Salzburg was cool. Now, you've toured in Europe with your choir a number of times or with a number of choirs. Yes, both. So did you ever make it to Salzburg? I don't believe so. I was much younger and I don't think the, I don't think the weight of being in Europe quite hit me. So I don't actually remember all of the different places that we went. Oh, okay. You've been to so many places. No, but you no, had, because you, how many no, times did you I go? Took, no, it's not that I went to so many places. It's that I took that travel very much for granted as a kid. <laughs> and I didn't really understand, like, what it meant to be able to, like, absorb those other cultures. I was just kind of a stupid kid because... We were all stupid kids, right? So, because so, you were in Contarai Boys Choir, and did you, did you, you sang mostly, did you do the big old cathedrals and stuff when you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really awesome. Yeah, except that we did not, the only place that I toured in Europe with Contarai was Italy, and it was just Italy. We stayed in Italy the entire time. I went to England with Drake Choir. And I also went to the Czech Republic with Drake Choir as well. Okay. Okay. That might have been Corral. But yes, we did the... Or not Corral, the the Chamber Choir. But yes, we definitely did do Old Cathedrals. Cool. Because uh, Salzburg was the birthplace of Mozart. Which Correct. Is kind of a big deal. And I went to... So Salzburg reminded me of Rockford which my friends tease me about here a lot because it's about the same population. It's got about 150,000 people, somewhere between 150,000 and 200,000. The difference being obviously Salzburg is in Europe. It has a lot more history. There's a castle on the top of the hill. Sound of music has the... Are you, are you saying that literally the only similarity is the population size? No, 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 and no, no, that's no. what makes no, you no, no. feel like Salzburg is like Rockford? Two things, the population size and the churches per capita. Because I remember when my friend Andy Bobka and Drake visited Rockford with me, he said, Rockford, I feel like all it is is parks and churches. It's like everywhere everywhere you look, there's a park and then there's a church and then there's a park. Like everywhere there's parks and churches. And that's what Salzburg felt like is when it's just churches everywhere. Not so much the parks maybe, but I think there are 130 some churches in Salzburg. And... That's, I mean, yeah, that's per capita. It's about a church for every thousand people. Population size and number of churches. And that makes you think Rockford. Well, and Mozart was born in 
there, right? And Rockford. And the, and the horrible crippling crime and taxes. Right. <laughs> Stay with me here. Mozart came from Salzburg, right? Uh-huh. Rockford, cheap trick. They're not that good. In fact, they're one of my least favorite like classic rock bands. I think they're awful. Okay. I think they're I think they're awful. One of the singers from Destiny's Child. Yep. She I don't remember which one and she was gone. She went to our she high was school. Like the, she was like the first one to go. She went to I our think. high school. And and hey, Mozart ditched Salzburg because he did not feel appreciated by the prince bishop or whatever the leader was. And so he ditched Salzburg. He was like I am out of here. He went to Vienna. He never really went. He was like, I am donezo with El Salzburgo. Or as the Spanish would say, Thalvburgo. You know I'm right. You're going to get there and you're going to be like. You know, I'm going to have to reread my history of Mozart. Maybe I'll watch Amadeus again. Maybe that will. Have you seen that film? Yeah, of course I have. It was, I watched it with my girlfriend like six months ago. It was great. It's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal movie. There's a reason it won Best Picture. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I. I'm a little jealous that you got to go to Switzerland on the company dime. What were the, were you, are we talking like 12 hour days? Like, 16 hour days, like 14 to 16 hour days. Holy crap. Well, cause so up at, up at four o'clock in the morning in bed at like midnight type thing. I, the first day I was up at six and in bed at 1am. Wow. And I was working pretty much that entire time. You made this, you, you made this, you kind of set this up like it was a really exclusive kind of chic, very heady event. Did you feel like, I don't know, unqualified to be there or underdressed or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I feel like if you're going to be, if you're going to be rubbing shoulders with like the, the, we're talking the billionaire class right now, we're right? Straight up billionaire That's, class. Right. We're talking about the billionaire class that you're rubbing shoulders with. We're not that. I, I wear tennis shoes to work. Um, I mean, I have dress shoes. They're certainly not billionaire dress shoes. Did you? Did you? I feel like I would get an immediate sense of discomfort being in that room. Did you? Did you? Or did you feel normal, acclimated to that? I, I felt acclimated because there was a lot of press there. CNN had you know a stand-up tent outside sure. where they did interviews. CNBC, all those guys, and and all of the journalists with press passes. And my 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 pass actually happened to be a press pass technically because for whatever reason I was categorized as press. Like when you went to E3, this is a lot like that. Kind of, yeah, basically. But yeah. you know, there's plenty of press running around, and they also look like they don't have a zillion dollars. They're just talking to the people with a zillion dollars. So, um, no, I, I felt, I, I felt, I didn't feel like I particularly didn't fit in there at all. But what was most interesting to me was the conversations, you know, cause you, you want to be a fly on the wall in the rooms with a lot of these. And there were a lot of private, I mean, it was a lot of private meetings, but you know, from the to and fro that I caught, what was, what was interesting to me was I was there during Trump's inauguration. Inauguration day in the U S was the last day of the world economic forum and the conversation in the U.S. for the last three months has been – I mean, you, go, you don't go on Facebook anymore because you're smart. No. But you go on Twitter and you see it. It's all people oh, talk yes. about, right? Yes. I mean, no one in the U.S. seems capable on the internet of talking about anything other than politics. 
I mean, there's a very good reason for that. But yes, I agree with you. And I, I agree that there's some good reason for it. But what was interesting and what I liked about it was I, I kind of went in with this cynical tone of, you know, you know, I'm basically going to go hang out with the oligarchy for a week. And, you know, they, they sit in their ivory towers making decisions about people. But But it ended up when you listen to what they're talking about, they're having conversations about globalization and how trade policies affect one another and how they affect wage and income inequality from a macro sense and from each country from a micro sense and how things like artificial intelligence and robotics and big data are going to affect jobs and how the labor market is affected by all these little decisions here and there and big decisions and how this upcoming kind of fourth industrial revolution that we're, that we're supposedly facing is going to impact you know the future of production and 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 all these other things and so you're saying like normal conversation like you and i have yeah basically the the same exact kind of stuff but they're just like us they really are they are they're just they have the same concerns it's a business conference but it's easy to be cynical and say oh yeah it's easy to look at the big picture when and not look at how it affects the little guy but at the same time I then log on to Twitter or Facebook and, you know, it's just people screaming. Some people, some of the screaming uh, the people are doing is is just around the most tripe drivel that doesn't affect anything or anyone. I, and the pendulum kind of swings both ways. It, you know, it's easy to look at these conversations about, like, how, manu- how, how manufacturing might be affected by 3D printing and robots. And it's like, well, all right, maybe we should focus on some of the jobs specifically and people that might be affected. And at the same time, it's like, you know, why are we spending so much time and energy talking about what Ivanka Trump stole from Michelle Obama in her speech at the RNC? Or, you know, whether the word Jew was used in the White House statement about the Holocaust you know, and the exact wording and things like that. Like these, I feel like there are some um, rather juvenile microaggressions that people are arguing about at the citizen level about what administrations are doing or what politicians are doing or how Trump's tie looked at the inauguration and who's Bible sworn and things like that that just don't, ma- you know, they don't matter that uh, I-, I wish that daily discourse conversation could be elevated a little bit to a more substantive policy level if people really want to talk about politics that is the kind of thing that should be talked about and and a little less of the 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 crap and uh and i didn't experience any of that at the forum which was refreshing like they business leaders weren't coming up to each other and saying did you hear what trump said he he said one thing and he said a different thing last week like they're not talking about that they're saying like hey america is kind of a big country that has a lot of money if their next president signs this policy into effect, here's how it could affect the entire planet and the flow of money. And that's kind of important. So I don't know. It was, it was kind of cool. It's a, and I felt like they were trying to have productive conversations about substantive, substantive policy issues and, you know, big businesses figuring out how to get ahead of certain things and, how to predict, you know, like, look, if the administration goes this way or that way, here's how businesses could respond that can actually maximize the number of jobs that we can continue to have or or deals that we could have with other nations that will maybe improve infrastructure, which will create jobs in this way or that way. So it was kind of cool. It was cool. Now, those two, 
as, as a point to what you just said, those two types of conversations are not mutually exclusive. You can have the conversations regarding what globalization means for the world economy, and you can also have the conversations at the same time about what these other maybe what what you would call like inconsequential issues might mean to i don't know various minorities that we are not part of like you can have both of those conversations yeah it and, it's and, it's it's not just the people shouting on facebook this one thing and then this other you know group of billionaires that is talking about this one thing like you're capable of talking you're capable of doing both as a citizen yeah you're right you're right and and there are some conversations i guess that yeah probably are affecting people on a personal level if they're feeling included or excluded but there's some stuff that just doesn't matter uh, yeah no i agree i mean i i'm not disagreeing with that so yeah my, my, i'm not disagreeing my examples may not have been perfectly fit into that but yeah I, i'm talking about the ones that just don't matter like the tie sure. length and stuff like that like those it's like stop <laughs> that's that's how i feel but I, I also spend more uh, – I mean I'm, I'm exposed to social media all day every day basically on my job. And you – like again, you don't really go on Facebook and you are saving yourself. Yeah. My God, you're saving yourself. Well, we all know that tie length is – I mean you, you need a long tie directly to accentuate the size of the genitals. Well, That's just how – that is what the tie is there to symbolize. Well, and tie fighter length is extremely relevant, right? Sure. It, I mean, if you're talking about a tie advanced, uh, like Vader's ship, right. yeah, absolutely. Because do you need to fight it with an X-Wing or a Y-Wing or a Z-Wing or a B-Wing? I don't think there is a Z-Wing. There is a Z-Wing. Maybe there is a Z-Wing. Maybe that came later. That had to have come later. No, it's... It's, it's definitely X, Y, and B. Uh, no, the Z-Wing is... Uh, I'm looking on the internet. It's on Wikipedia, and it's also on Legopedia. So... Of course there's a Z-Wing. I know the B-Wings have have bombs the u-wings are transport vehicles are they the they are yep they are we're talking star wars now a little inside ball for the crowd yeah we did somehow transition to that that sounds like a really interesting conference and it also sounds like you played zero part in any of it so um (laughs) congratulations on going there and being completely inconsequential to the overall scope and direction of that conference and for getting a free trip to Switzerland. You did you did great. Yeah. That's what happened. Anyway, go to did Salzburg you, did, if you can. Did you live tweet? Is that what you did? I live tweeted. I did lots of things. Uh, I will say Salzburg was the highlight. I didn't really care for Zurich at all. I stayed a night in Zurich. And, you know, Davos, go ski there if you can. But it's a zillion dollars. It's like the most expensive place. But but Salzburg, I love Salzburg. I would definitely go back. The, the, the church that Mozart used to... I saw where more Mozart was baptized, and that cathedral, unbelievable, and it's, it's just a really pretty city. Lots of cafes everywhere, like more coffee shops than I've ever seen per capita. And that, and that European coffee is legit. The Sol's, uh, yeah, I had some good coffee in... Yeah, European coffee I had some good legit. coffee there. Uh, except Spain. Uh, I didn't love the coffee in Spain, really, because they, they do it weird. They do it differently. It's like espresso size, but strong coffee very yeah strong. it'll it, yeah it'll very strong it'll wreck you i don't know but um yep. yeah it, it was good um it, it was cool contrast that though with uh with i i watched the uh and i'm not i'm not gonna get really political on this podcast but since i was in a political environment and everyone's talking about politics i, I do want to mention 
kind of a contrast to what I was just talking about. Did you watch any of the, do you ever watch Senate hearings? I watched and listened to quite a few of them this time, actually, um, because they were, you know, I listened to NPR at work. So they were on, they did a lot of NPR at work. Uh, they did a lot of them. Oh, I didn't NPR. know that. Did you hear any of the, yeah, it's did pretty you sweet. hear any of the Secretary of Education hearings? I did. I did. I did. So, I did. so call me, call me jaded, call me cynical. No, now do it now. You are jaded you. and cynical. So he, I watched and, and, and listened and here, here's what I heard on both sides. I, I, all right, there's, there's, uh, what, there were 23 people on this committee, right? 11 left or liberal leaning and then 12 right or conservative leaning. And the, from what I heard, you know, I'm watching the hearing. Okay, so, so Trump nominated the Secretary of Education and she... Uh, Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos, yes. DeVos. Or DeVos, yeah, DeVos. I think it might be. She's uh, somewhat, objectively somewhat less qualified than probably other candidates uh, i'll put that as mildly as i can as to not offend people on either side but but let's say for the sake of argument not super 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 experienced or qualified for this position so uh you've got 11 you know left-leaning or whatever they vote nay to this nomination and then you've got the 12 right-leaning and they say i and but i'm but i'm listening and watching to this this quote-unquote debate or their statements and I feel like it could have all been summed up in like two or three sentences. Um, so, for example, a, a Republican senator from Alaska talked for eight or nine minutes about how she has reservations, but she's going to vote that they should confirm this candidate. And, and I feel like that eight minutes of time could have been boiled down to, I'm a Republican, my party supports this candidate, so I'm going to vote yes. And then a Democrat would give a four or five minute speech about how education is important to them and they really care and they vetted this candidate. They feel she's unqualified. And I feel like that could have been boiled down to, you know what, this candidate really is totally unqualified. I'm going to vote against it because I'm voting my conscience because I don't have to vote with my party. And uh, I think you should agree with me. And it, it just it was just a lot of fluff. And it was the political theater of it. And it just I watched it and I just thought to myself, there's no there's it's such a waste of time. Like, I don't know. It's so it's such an ineffective use of anyone's time. And the idea that anyone would change their opinion or vote against, quote unquote, their party or for the opposition was so outside of the question for any of them that it would never even enter the conversation. I'm totally just totally jaded about all of politics no, I think with Senate hearings in particular, that political theater that you are referring to is a, I think that is a tradition of Senate hearings. But the the thing is, is there, there is precedent for presidents not to get their choices through the Senate. So that's the reason it's, it's not like they always get the cabinet that they propose. Right. And so that's why the process has to be done because there is a chance that somebody may be so unqualified or so against what the mainstream opinion is that they cannot be confirmed in the Senate. So the problem is that there is this incredible political theater that surrounds this process because the process needs to be done. It just probably doesn't need to be done in this so way. So you you said you've listened to a lot of the things this year. Do do you just 
Because I feel like I look at it and I just see through the BS. Like, it just all seems like fluff and bull. Like, it just seems like a lot of crap spewing from their mouths that are just high-level justifications for things that under the surface you can easily point and just be like, oh, she's a Republican and she's going to vote Republican. That's the end of the story. So Did- so this is this is the way that this is the way the politics works, right? You get you get people on both sides. So you get like Marco Rubio asking questions to Rex Tillerson when they were trying to confirm him for Secretary mm-hmm. of State, right? Which which happened this year. And what you do is by having Marco Rubio hold his feet to the fire, that gets Rex Tillerson, the guy who's getting confirmed, on public record saying certain things. And normally that's really important because later on, if there's some sort of decision that's made that is in maybe in direct disregard to the things that he had said in his Senate hearing, because these Senate hearings are are kind of they're kind of like a job interview. Mm-hmm. Right. So if in this job interview, you like build yourself up in a certain way and then later you are called on based on these things that you said in your job interview and you just say, nope, like, actually, I'm going to do it this other way that I specifically said I was going to do it this one way, and now I'm actually just going to do it this other way. That That is important to your political capital as a politician. You lose it, right? Because you are, de- like, basically, that's the idea, is you're supposed to lose it. What has happening right now is kind of really weird because it seems like what you say doesn't matter in this particular political climate. It seems like you can say whatever you want and then you can do whatever you want. It can be completely different than what you originally said and nobody gives gives a crap. Everybody's like, all right, that's, that's what he meant all along. It's weird. It doesn't make any sense. But the way it's supposed to work are these questions from the senators to these cabinet members are supposed to get a lot of stuff on record. They're supposed to get a lot of the policies that these cabinet members are kind of going to be working towards onto a public record transcribed into writing because otherwise if you were just doing a this is my party i'm going to vote for this candidate and that's all you did you would never have any of that you would never have any intention of what that cabinet that cabinet member was going to do until Hmm. they did it so there's a good reason why they do what they do and why there is all of these there are all of these questions and a lot of these Senators, there may be some more moderate states that some of these senators come from where they also need to look to their constituents like they tried so that they can gain favor with their constituents of for course, later. Of course, exactly. I mean, it's a, it's it's a, a game. Sure, and it's like, that's, it's you, a game. Yeah, you, you, when you life said, balance. But when it's you a game said at the start of the podcast, politics is kind of a game. You were kind of joking. Yeah, I wasn't kidding. T- no, I, I mean, I... Well, you, yeah. you, you were mostly joking, but earlier tonight I specifically had... This thought, even earlier this morning, I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking, like, this is just a really bad game. And it's actually how I felt about the primaries, right? My feeling about the primaries from the perspective of a gamer was what made, actually, uh, Hillary Clinton's nomination over Bernie Sanders extra frustrating. Because from a gamer perspective, my feeling was that uh, Bernie pulled really, really well in in these kind of states— that uh, Trump was also doing really well, and in, in basically in the in the states that the election kind of hinged on, right, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, kind of some of the Rust Belt states, you know, in those states, right. 
those were the ones where he outperformed her. And my thinking was from a purely strategic gamer perspective, knowing the Electoral College, those are points, right? Like a game. In a game, you have to get a certain number of points, you know, out of this Electoral College to kind of win the game, right? You have to score points. And my that is actually exactly which is exactly how it works. Looking at it from a strictly game perspective, I had bad feelings really early on in the thing because he he kind of was was better at getting points in these areas where points were needed to, to be gained. And then you know he lost, and you know we all got over it. Whatever, we moved on. And then Hillary didn't get the points. And, but from a gamer logic, just a strictly gamer logic, forget, forget the policies. I'm not trying to debate anything. Like, it, it's all over and done with. But you know what I'm saying? Like, th- th- I've thought about that so much. So, so some people that have played Twilight Imperium with me, specifically the first time that you ever played it with me, my one piece of advice when you play that game is you win the game by scoring points. There's going to be a lot of other stuff going on in this game, but no matter what, you focus on the points because that is how you win the game. You do not win the game based on the largest space battle that you win. You don't win it based on the largest ground combat that you win. You don't win it based solely on like the political objectives in the game. It is solely based on points. And the first person to this number of points wins the game. So yes, that is like one of the most basic concepts when points are the determining factor for winning a game is that you have to focus on the points. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, but I, I just, I only brought that up because I have thought of the gaming quote unquote kind of gamer filter of politics for a while now. Cause you know, I, I kind of got interested in it a year ago. My time hop on Facebook informed me that this week, a year ago is when I published my Bernie Sanders piece on Huffington post and that whole thing happened or whatever. So it's been about a year since I actually cared in really any way about politics. Um, but, but I, I do just remember so vividly, you know, nine, 10 months ago thinking from the game point of view. So it, it's just, Watching those hearings today in practice and seeing how gamey some of the discourse even is, it, it was like so frustrating and discouraging in a way. Because I just talked about how at the World Economic Forum, I'm hearing business leaders have substantive conversations where they can come away with, with takeaways and learnings and things that will affect everyone. And then I get back and a week later, I'm watching these Senate confirmation hearings and it just looks like a bunch of thinly veiled drivel. And I think to myself, these guys in these here, Elizabeth Warren and, and uh, not Patton Oswalt, who's the fun Al Franken. And then even in, on both sides, I know he looks like I, when he first popped up. I'm like, wait, why is Patton Oswalt? He does not there? look like He kind of looks like he's got the same doesn't. hair. They both have. He's like six inches taller, much thinner. He does not. Look they like both that. have hair. They both have hair. I can't. They scream. both have hair. So, um, but on both sides, they're all intelligent people, right? But when I open my mouth and I give a four or five minute speech about something, and really the only thing I have to say is, I am X party. I am voting X way because of that. Like, everyone else in the room knows that. Bernie Sanders isn't sitting there looking at the Republican senator from Alaska thinking, oh, yeah, she really, uh, she really 
is doing this for any reason other than the fact that she's a Republican. Like, no, none of them are thinking that. They're all just looking at each other, knowing what they're going to say before they say it, and then saying it anyway. And it's just... Like, but, if that's the, but if that's the case, though, then why do you get, like... Like, why do you get um, the uh, the Secretary of, Def- of Defense... Rex Tillerson? ...was just... No, that's the Secretary of State. Secretary of Defense is the General. Oh. General Matt, Mattis... Mad Dog Matson. He was... I believe he was unanimously appointed. Literally everybody voted yes. Yeah, maybe I just watched the worst Senate hearing. So you I think you watched the controversial ones. You watched the ones you watched the ones that that were kind of the yeah, the most the most argued, for sure. I watched the one that was the most partisan. 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 Part risen? Part risen? What what Part, did you I said say? partisan. Okay. What did you think I said? Just the way your mic cut out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, like, like I said, the the public record is incredibly important. At least it has been in the past. Again, this election, it doesn't seem like the public record matters at all. It seems like you can say whatever you want and then do whatever you want, and it can be completely different, and that's fine for some people. It's weird. So you can say like, I have not had relations with. Sure, and then you can go do that, I guess. Or you can say, I am the main candidate for the party that preaches traditional family values i also am going to say that i grab women by the pussy <laughs> and it's not it's not going to matter i don't even it's know not if gonna, i have to censor that or not i don't think you do it's not going to matter though that's what i like that's it's been a weird it's been a weird election that should be the new precedent is that the president of the united states is on record as saying it i don't have to censor it anymore in post-production it's tr- I mean, he's on on record. That's not yeah. So and and that is the that has been one of the most confusing things to me. Uh, what words to censor? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> okay, so yeah. so do you think I need to take a step back and be a little less jaded about the whole process? It's important to get. In, I think it's important to get involved and invested in the process because if you don't, a lot of the reason why we are in our current situation, I guess whether you think it's good or bad is a lot of a lot of those reasons are because people were not involved. People were not engaged in this election cycle. There was not yeah, I mean there there wasn't the turnout in the specific areas that there needed to be turnout specifically for Hillary Clinton, right? Right. to to kind of put her in in the presidency. Yeah, to go the other way, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. So like like being engaged is important. And, and there's also some other like we're kind of also in unprecedented territory for what a president of our country is doing. We're and in unprecedented so, territory for a lot of stuff. But you don't you do you think that so, okay? So I'm engaged, right? Now I'm engaged and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking this is unmanageable. They can do whatever they want. They will do whatever they want. And the people in power, no one is there to hold them accountable. Then I'm engaged and just incredibly depressed. How, what am I supposed to do now? You, you do what people have been doing and you protest, right? You make your voice heard. I don't think they care. I'm so jaded right now. Like I was, and yeah. I went to the protest at O'Hare uh, with, after the whole immigration ban thing. Like somebody, you know, somebody tweeted a video of some family that was separated and it was really depressing. And my girlfriend and I looked at each other and we were just like, you know what? Let's go protest. And we went and we got there and we were there for a little bit and it was fine. And there were more cops than there were people because cops, because 
the authorities just have everybody in the country on lockdown. You go look at Standing Rock. People protested there, so they were blue in the face, and they had like tanks being rolled out. You and know? they so, won. They, did they? Uh, they well until the new administration until came in, yes. a week later until the guy that can do whatever he wants did whatever he wants i guess i'm they- i'm really 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 cynical about our government right now like i and i don't know how to get out of it yeah it's i mean it's you it's you and a lot of people you get out of it by getting involved and making it and, and helping make a change yourself Well, I'm glad that you're able to be optimistic about this. And I think, yeah, you should continue to encourage listeners to get engaged because I'm just uh, I'm just watching that Senate hearing was like watching a slow motion train wreck and no one can do anything about it. No one can put the brakes on it. It seems that the people up there are going to do whatever they feel like doing. They will get the money and votes. And if it's not getting your money or votes, mostly money, then they don't care. Yeah, well, it's hard to be positive right now, to be honest. <laughs> but I mean, it's like all you can all you can do is 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 fight it. So that's that's just kind of where I'm at. Right? All right, I gotcha. Cool. Well, all right. I just wow, well, that was that it got a little deeper than I had had, had planned. But I, you know, maybe usually, I mean, we don't usually talk politics on the show, but I think it's uh, it's healthy in the current climate of. I don't know, just what's going on. It's, I think it's important to have those conversations sometimes. Yeah, and and I felt we kept it somewhat nonpartisan, relatively nonpartisan. I, you know, I I know I mentioned uh, protesting the immigration stuff, you know, but uh, but to be honest, I've got problems on both sides of the aisle. It's really the problems go up, not left or right. You know what I mean? Sure. So kind of no, like I'm a video game, I'm- Zelda dungeon. You always go. Which direction do you go if you go up, left, or right first? Like in a 2D traditional Zelda mm-hmm. dungeon, you generally move up and then you really? go right. Mm-hmm. I think the the generally the screen scrolls forward up before it scrolls any other direction. Interesting. Well, hey, speaking of video games, uh, that was a good inflection point for us to talk about our final segment, Balancing Act. This is where we uh, we rate our weeks that we haven't that we've had not podcasting as to how we did with our ability to do real life stuff and also play video games, which is kind of what the show was based on. It's true. So on my uh, flights to and from Europe, I finished Lara Croft go the mobile game that I reviewed a few episodes ago or mentioned. Yeah. Was it, was it really good? Was it good? It was good. Yeah. I actually finished the temple. uh, I thought I had like two stages left and I finished it. And then there's a whole nother, subset of levels that comes up so there were a ton of le- there was a lot of content it's good good worth it it was fun and i finished final fantasy 15 which i then proceeded to eviscerate on our full gamer episode that will be posted in the next week and then since then the only game i've played is another probably five hours of final fantasy 15 because it turns mm-hmm. out that the post-game content, after beating the game and playing it for 80 hours, is extremely fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hear about it, because I eventually will, 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 will play it. So All I'll say is there was one secret dungeon, and it was it took me over four hours to, to do with no save points. I've heard it's amazing. It was very good. It was... And it was yeah. the most challenging dungeon I've played in a Final Fantasy game, uh, maybe ever for a very since at least twelve. 
That's yeah. great. Very good. Yeah. So I'd, I'd rate my, my balance at probably, I'd probably say an eight. I think I've actually gotten a, maybe even a nine. I've had a good fair amount of, of gaming time considering all that I've been up to. How about you? So I've been doing the normal wake up at four exercise and then go to work and then usually not play a game at night or sometimes I get an hour, hour and a half in at night. But I've basically only been playing Fallout 4, which I haven't talked about yeah, yet. Yeah, what? I, so I, I really liked Fallout 3. I really did. It was really good. And that was a long time ago. It was like eight years ago, maybe six years ago, something like that. It was, it was a while ago. And I couldn't get into Fallout New Vegas. I just couldn't get into it. And now Fallout 4 came out. I got it for 20 bucks, and I started playing it. I didn't like, I didn't like know if I liked it. And I still don't know if I like it, but I can't stop playing it. So all of a sudden, kind of without realizing, I'm like 45 hours into Fallout 4. And, and it's, a game, it's a game that has in, an outrageous amount of content. Like in a, way that I, in a way that I could probably be playing this game to April and still have stuff to do. I don't know. It's huge. It's absolutely wow. massive. But at some point, I feel like I'm just going to get sick of it. I don't know. It, I'm not there yet, and I, I don't even know. I don't even feel like I'm... My characters doesn't feel like they're progressing. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I, I go and... Exp- I think it's... Maybe it's, like, the sense of exploration that you get. Because I don't think there's any company that does exploration of a world better than Bethesda at all. I just think that the way that they build their worlds, just exploring is the fun thing. But... I just feel like at some point I'm going to lose the wonder of that. I don't know. I haven't yet, but I still don't know if I'm having fun. And you've... How many Fallout games have you played? All, all of the main ones. Okay. So one, two, three, and four. And I I remember liking three better than I like this one. Weird. But it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I played this. Uh, since I played weird. three. It is really weird. It's I haven't felt this kind of ambivalent about a game that has kept me playing it in a really long time. I just I not since Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, there's a very there's a very similar concept. Only Hyrule Warriors was very get in and get out. I could get in and play like one or two, three levels, and then get out of it. It was a much different thing, a much different thing. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's been it's been a really weird experience, and I I'll probably try to put maybe write down some thoughts at the end of the whole thing once I'm finally done with it. I don't know when I'm going to be done with it. I really don't because I'm going to keep playing it. So I, and that's been the only thing I've been playing other than the random phone games that I play. I'm still playing that Star Wars game. I'll talk, I could talk about that every single week. <laughs> um, so I would say I'm probably about a, a six or seven. Okay. Because you're not satisfied with the gaming you're doing. Yeah. I, I, it's a complete, Bethesda, you know, Skyrim and Fallout are these completely unguided experiences. You're given like a main theme at the start of the game. And this one, your your kid gets kidnapped and your wife gets killed. And then you go on this revenge quest. And then you kind of do whatever you want in whatever order you want. And then eventually you'll like pick up the story beats of the main quest here and there. But they're given the same weight as every other quest that you ever experience. And it's like... I I don't know. I just, I I don't really have a good way to put it into words yet. I have to, like, collect my thoughts on it once I finally get closer to being done with Interesting. it. Interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I've added it to the spreadsheet. Or I don't know why we call it a spreadsheet. It's a, it's a Word doc. It's a Word doc. But I added it to the, our Google doc uh, that you will just, just review Fallout 4 at some point. 
the first Fallout game that we've discussed on any of the podcasts we've done. It, it might be June. I don't know. It might be never. I don't, I don't That's know. That's fine. It took me nine months to beat Metal Gear Solid Five, which I need to go uh, update something in. Yes. I do exactly. still pick up that game, Metal Gear Solid Five. That's, that's crazy. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is crazy. The only re- – and it's funny because I, I think if I, if I could pick up any game and just pop in some time into it every day, it would be Final Fantasy fourteen. But it's – more immersive mm-hmm. and takes a little bit more well, I, it, it's actually funny because of the quest system i could easily pop in and out and just do one quest but i would want to do more be, because right. of the way it's structured so yeah um and this coming weekend i know we're gonna have a pretty good well are you coming this weekend mm, it's still kind of up okay in the air. all right well i'm going to have a good game life balance in the next couple of weeks because this weekend i'm going up to madison for some board gaming and po- probably video gaming because Ryan will be there. Ryan, the host That's of Daryl TV, our official Twitch TV tent channel that hasn't broadcast in forever. And all I hear he has no formal training. In he doesn't, either. and all he plays is Binding of Isaac, which is fine, I guess, if you're insane, which he is. But um, all right, well, I hope you can make it because games are fun. But um, if you can't, I'll report back. But next week we'll have the Final Fantasy 15 review live, which is angry (laughs) yeah and then we'll be back after that spoiler spoiler we'll skype you in for for like uh the bomb game or something Ooh, that'd be fun we'll figure talking no one explodes yeah 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 all right cool well yeah um that's all i have for this episode oh and i was on the gunnageek.com official podcast this week Actually, okay. So I was a guest host, and we are a part of the Gunna Geek Network, which is a podcast network of geeky podcasts. I also submitted us submitted us to host a panel about podcasting at Gen Con. So if you're planning on going to Gen Con in August, hopefully they'll I put am. us in the schedule. I know you are. Uh, hopefully they'll put us on the schedule, and you can come learn about podcasting if you make it to Gen Con this year. But if not, and you, you don't or you do catch my appearance on the GunnaGeek.com podcast this week, you can also catch other geeky podcasts on the GunnaGeek.com website, such as All Things Good and Nerdy. This week is episode 246. Let's chat about Heroes of, Heroes of Homeroom C. This week, the ATGN crew is joined by Anthony Rutgazer, to talk about his upcoming Kickstarter comic, Heroes of Homeroom C. After chatting with Anthony, it sounds like the book is going to be fantastic, so go check it out on Kickstarter and feel free to support it. And in the news, Chris discusses the newly released Nintendo Switch specs, and Bachman details the latest casting news for the next Godzilla movie, which I didn't know was happening. Chris also... I think I, I, think I saw Matthew Broderick, that. right? It's got to be Matthew Broderick. Yeah, he was really good he was in that so other good. one. so good. Actually, Chris also talked a little bit about Nintendo Switch specs on the GunnaGeek.com podcast. And on the GunnaGeek.com podcast, do you know what I talked about for my news story? I don't. I don't. I want the you to The live-action Final Fantasy XIV TV show. I heard about that. Yeah. Square Enix is It's coming out in April. It's about a, a kid and his 60-some-year-old father, and it's about how they play Final Fantasy XIV together, and that's how they bond, and they learn about each other through the game, and I'm sure surprising secrets are revealed. But it's going to feature in-game footage and stuff, and it's Square Enix's first live-action TV show, and it happens to circle around Final Fantasy XIV. How weird is that? 
I think that's very weird. I'm pi- I didn't. I I guess I just don't understand how big Final Fantasy fourteen actually is. It it must be a very popular game. I hope it's. Do, do you think it'll just become the Wizard? The Wizard. You mean uh, like that? The Fred Savage Super movie that's a commercial for three, Mario yes. three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't know. Because I think the only people that are going to watch it are ones that have already played Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, that's probably true. Also on the Good and Geek Network is Gallifrey Public Radio, episode 218, classic rewatch, Ambassadors of Death. And this week, Kier and Haley learn the dangers of contagious radiation from the third Doctor and Liz Shaw. And astronaut suits have always been creepy, apparently. Always. Also, I'm sure if you missed this episode of Gallifrey Public Radio, I'm sure next week they will be talking about how Peter Capaldi is departing as the Doctor in Doctor Who. And I don't know who the new Doctor will be, but I'm sure everybody will be really angry about it if it's another white man. Because that's what happens. Fun fact. Probably Fun fact. Man. A bunch of people were really, really, really mad that Peter Capaldi was another old white guy as the Doctor. And uh, apparently casting... I, I read this somewhere. I don't know if it's true. They did offer the role to an African-American. Or I guess it would just... They wouldn't be an African-American in England. It'd just be a black guy, right? Because they're not American. I don't know. Right? Well... I don't know. I don't know what the, what the term... Someone with a darker pigmentation was offered the role and he turned it down. And that's why Peter Capaldi got it. I don't know if that's true, but it'd be funny if it was because people like to freak out about stuff. Can you end this ungodly monstrosity of of me talking? Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Game Life Balance U.S. podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and leave us a review if you really want to make our day. You can find us on the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com or on the official podcast network of Chicago's WGN Radio at WGNplus.com. Learn more about Game Life Balance, including contact information, and links to our sister show in Australia at GameLifeBalance.us. Take us out, Cody. That was a tremendous episode. Huge. Sad. Disappointing. Tremendous. Tremendous. Or as they say in Spain, tremendous. <laughs> <laughs>